All right. Uh, so anybody ever bought a new car? Has anybody ever bought a new car in here just out of curiosity? It's okay. We're not going to judge you if you buy. I've bought a new car before, right? Um, a lot of the time people do uh, this thing where you'll see, they'll, they'll make a post about it and they'll say, we did a thing. Anybody seen that? Just, just we did a thing, just so happened we bought a car. Um, but from, from the time when I was a teenager till today, okay, that was just last week when I was a teenager, but to today, um, I uh, don't like it when people say, I bought a car, okay? Only because usually in that they say, and I got uh, a really good interest rate and the payments are really low, okay? I'm not a grammar specialist. Everybody pretty much can uh, agree with that. I'm not the best with language or proper words, but bought a car does not make a whole lot of sense to me if you're still making payments, okay? <laughs> this is not Dave Ramsey 101 this morning. I'm just saying it's always bothered me because you technically are buying a car. You have not bought a car. Am I correct with the English, right? Um, same with a house. You know, you're buying a house. You have not bought a house. Uh, that's just, but I get it. Everybody just says it, and that's just how it works. Um, now, Scripture does say that we were bought at a price. Am I right? There's no payments. There's no interest. There was a cash deal, and the price has been paid. We were bought in full. It's kind of like um, coming to church today, right? Everybody, we're all at church right now. Would you all agree? We're at church unless you're online. I mean, technically it feels like it, but we're at church. We're in the building. Now, there was a process that took place on the way to get here. Maybe you had your alarm set on your cell phone. Do you guys do that, or do you still have an actual alarm clock? I don't know. Those are kind of not really existent. Most people put it on their cell phone. My wife has 300 of those alarms on her phone for some reason. <laughs> like, you really only need three. I have three. She can go like this, literally, and still doesn't make it to the 5 a.m. or whatever. Um, but you woke up, you know, you had your coffee, you got in your car, you maybe stopped at 7-Eleven, you went inside, maybe got a coffee there or a Tornado. Do you guys know what those are? They're really good if you haven't. Um, you got that, you pulled into the parking lot, you picked your favorite spot. Did you guys get your favorite spot this morning? If not, I'm sorry, you should have came a little bit earlier. Um, you came into the building, you said hi to Bob and Marty at the front door. You maybe went to the restroom, you went and got a little bit more coffee because you didn't quite get enough. You came to the door, got a bulletin, said hi to the greeter, came and found your favorite seat because I know usually where everybody's sitting, okay? So everybody's doing pretty good on that. And now you're in the building, right? You have arrived. You're here. You're not in process. You're not heading towards Grace Church. You are here sitting down. Would we all agree? It is finished, right? Um, so the same happened with us spiritually. We're not on the way. We haven't, like, headed towards it. We have already arrived. And we're going to go through Romans 6 this morning. Um, and it kind of breaks down a little bit of that process. It kind of helps us to look at some things. And I know you guys will find that I'm kind of redundant with a lot of things that I talk about. Um, and it sometimes feels like I'm discussing it with myself. But I think it's so good to continually remind us, remind myself, a lot of these things. So if you hear a little bit of a conversation in there, it's just me talking to myself, okay? Don't, don't be worried about it. But Romans 6.3, we're going to start off in Romans 6.3. It says in the New Living Translation, it says, Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we were joined, we joined him in his death? All right, so um, here, it, 
Paul is talking to believers, right? And it sounds like he's saying, did you know that you were dunked in water, right? Would you guys agree that, mo- how, how many of you guys, when you hear the word baptism, you think of water? Is anybody like that in here? I'm that way, right? Um, I, I, but come to find out, there are actually three different types of baptism, possibly a fourth one if you'd include um, John the Baptist with the, the baptism of repentance and all that. Um, you could kind of debate that. But um, I grew up uh, not knowing a lot about baptism, not knowing a lot about Baptists. Is anybody a Baptist in here? Anybody? Yeah, we got some Baptists in here. There's no judgments, okay? I was not a Baptist. Uh, I was a non-denominational probably. You could throw me in there. Methodist. I got confirmed as a Methodist. I didn't know a whole lot of Baptists, but I did know one Baptist kid around the corner, okay? Around the corner, him and his mom lived in a condominium, um, and uh, they were Baptists. Okay, they, and one day we decided we were going to, he wanted me to come stay the night. I think it was like 12 years old, okay, or maybe, no, a little bit lo- younger, maybe 10, okay, and so he wanted me to come stay the night. Well, what I found out, it was a Wednesday night, it was summertime, and he was going to take me to his Baptist church, okay? Now, I don't know if he was Northern Baptist or Eastern Baptist or Western or Southern Baptist. I don't know what it was, but I know he was Baptist, and what I found out, something to know about both him and his mother, I don't think this is all Baptist, was they had rat tails, okay? You guys know what a rat tail is? It's a haircut, okay? They're kind of coming back in right now, um, so don't do it if you, if you get the urge. Um, they're not the thing. Um, but there are, and some of you are still looking around like, what is he talking about rat tails? Okay, so the first type of rat tail that I want to show you guys, because I brought some rat tails this morning, the first rat tail is what I call the business casual rat tail. Okay, let me show you. That's the business casual. Okay, so this is what the mom and son had was a rat tail. If you have a rat tail, there's no judgments. All are accepted here at Grace Church. Um, but they had a braids. This means he put a little bit of work into it. It's kind of like, he, you know, he wanted to be somewhat professional but not too professional. Probably shampooed it. Okay, the next one that we have is what I call the flowy kind of relaxed rat tail. Okay. <laughs> This is kind of your pajama rat tail, like you're just going to lay around the house. Maybe you'll make it to 7-Eleven to get a Slurpee or something, but this is the laid back. Then we got the hipster rat tail, okay? Does everybody know what the hipster rat tail is? <laughs> it's your modern rat, t- rat tail. Um, this guy is probably in Toronto, Canada, not Alberta, Canada, where Bob is. Like, that's a different area, right? And so he's not probably going to cut a whole lot of wood, but he is going to be hanging out at Starbucks and all the fancy places that these hipster guys go to, all right? So that's what a rat tail is. The, the mom and the son both had matching business casual rat tails, okay? And we went to their Baptist church on a Wednesday night. And when I went there, um, he looks over at me and told me uh, this is his 18th time being baptized, all right? I didn't know what baptism was. I was like, okay, this is what he's doing. He goes up, he gets dunked, him and all, the whole rat tail and everything, comes back, sits down, gets all dried off, and said it was an amazing experience. I'd never seen anything like it in my life, all right? So then we go back to his house to stay the night. It was 7 o'clock. We were told to go to bed. I asked for a glass of water. The mother said, there's no water for you, sir. You're going to go to bed. We don't go to bed with water. Um, I waited till everybody fell asleep. I unlocked the door, and I left and went to my house around the corner, okay? <laughs> now, I will tell you, we never talked about the day where there was baptisms or water or anything of the sort. We stayed friends forever. It was all worked out. But what I'm, I say all that to say that this verse is not talking about water, 
okay? There's no baptisms here. It, he, he was not at the Baptist church when he was talking about this, all right? Um, so Titus 3, 4 through 5, it says, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy, he saved us. This is the part I want you guys to see. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. So there was something that happens that when you receive the Lord into your life, there is a washing that happens naturally. It's not necessarily a baptism in water, but there is a renewability that comes with the Holy Spirit. This word baptize, okay, in Ephesians, it actually means to immerse. The definition, if you look it up in the Greek, it means to immerse. If we were to read Romans 6, 3 in the Passion, it says, or have you forgotten that all of us who were immersed into union with Jesus, the anointed one, were immersed into union with his death? All right. So I want to talk about uh, three, possibly four things. I have four things in total, but three things specifically here in Romans uh, that I believe Paul is trying to convey to us in these verses, okay? Uh-oh, there we go. I lost it for a second. Um, that we're going to go through. So the first thing I believe that Paul was trying to tell us is because he died, we died. Because he died, because Jesus died, we died. Um, how many of you ever heard the term die to yourself? Anybody ever heard that term? Or you need to die you need to die, 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 right? That's kind of the terminology that, that people say. Um, I've even had family members where they weren't liking something about us, and they said, you need to die to yourself. I didn't know what that meant. I just knew they don't like what they're seeing, okay? Um, but it's easy to see, and I think everybody can agree in the progressive Christian church that Jesus died for us. Could we all agree with that? Everybody unanimously, I think, would say Jesus has died for us. Um, he died on a cross for us. But the true revelation, the true revelation that I believe comes when you realize that you died too, that you died too, um, that needs to be at the forefront of our minds because our former identity, okay, who we were before is no longer. Um, how many times did Jesus need to be crucified? Anybody remember? How many times? Once, right? Uh, that is the same for us. How many times do we need to be crucified? How many times do you think that we actually need to die? It's just a one-time deal. The reason most Christians struggle, right, the reason most Christ Christians struggle to live the Christian life is they do not know that they have died with Christ. Yes, Paul even said it again and again and again. I'm going to quote it to you, but Colossians 2.20 it says, you died with Christ. You died with Christ. Romans 6, 8, it says, we died with Christ. Okay, 2 Corinthians 5, 14, it just straight up says, we died. Okay, we died. But if I died with Christ, why does Jesus say we need to take up our cross daily? Has anybody ever asked that? Why does, why does Jesus say we need to take up our cross daily? Well, first of all, it's only mentioned in one of the Gospels out of three, okay? All three of them say something very similar. It says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny, deny himself. Do you guys know the scripture? And then in Matthew 6, 24, I got it in your notes. It says, take up your cross and follow me, okay? Matt, uh, Mark 8, 34, it says, 
uh, take up your cross and follow me once again. And then Luke 9.23, it says, take up your cross daily. Now, this is the only place uh, where daily is mentioned. Okay, the word daily is mentioned. But it actually wasn't in the original text. But for argument's sake, I wouldn't mind talking about it a little bit. Okay, I wouldn't mind saying, say it wasn't, say it was in the original text. We can just kind of pretend. But when you think about the word, the words crucify daily or take up your cross daily, right? Crucify is kind of an, like, it's kind of a strange thing to say. Wouldn't you say, like, crucify yourself, die to yourself? Like, how do you do that? How do you crucify yourself, right? Like, do you go get nails, right? Do we go get nails and we crucify ourselves? That'd be kind of strange to do, especially nowadays, right? I don't know. I don't, I don't know too many crucifixions that happen nowadays. But to crucify yourself is an odd thing, especially because we don't like a whole lot of pain. Could we all agree? Like, I don't like it when I get a splinter in my finger. Like, if I get a splinter and my wife's like, let me help you, I'm like, don't touch me at all. Stay away. No, you're not Dr. Ruth, okay? She'd hate it if I said Ruth, too, by the way. I'm glad she's not in here. I'm safe. Okay. Dr. Ruthie. Stay away. This is my splinter. You don't get to have this splinter. Okay? Or a hangnail. I hate hangnails, right? Pain is not my favorite. I mean, if I get a headache, I'm going to pray and look for some type of medicine of some kind, right? I just hate pain. So to crucify yourself is kind of an, an odd thing. When I was a kid, we had this uh, house up on stilts, okay? Um, and uh, you guys know what I'm saying when I, when I say up on stilts? It was up on stilts, okay? Literally up in the air. Down, and down below, we were going to eventually close it in and have like a two-story house. So they sold us a bathtub that came with this house that was going to go downstairs at some point. Well, at the time, the house was not enclosed downstairs. And we had this cat that um, had decided to climb into the bathtub. Now, there was no plumbing in the bathtub, and you know how cats, they have whiskers, and they're not supposed to go into the hole? Does everybody know that? Like, you're not, it's supposed to let them know, don't go into that thing. Well, this cat, I don't know, it was a dumb cat, I don't know what the deal was, but it decided not to go, it decided to put its head in the hole. So I went to go help the cat, and it turns around and takes its nail, and it kind of goes in. Not going to get too graphic, but it hurt really bad, okay? The only thing I could do was just grab its arm and hold on to its arms, all right? And it's painful, and I'm like... So my sister was there, and I looked at my sister, I said, hey, I need you to go upstairs and go get mom and dad now. It was probably a little more intense than that, but I said, I need you to go get mom and dad now, okay? So she, she runs upstairs, she runs into where my mom and dad at, got my, my mom and dad are at, and she says, mom, dad, Matt got nailed. <laughs> okay, and if you're a parent, like that, what is the first thought that comes to your mind, okay? They don't know what nailed means. They don't know if it's like up on a wall, up against a pole, up against something. But she's like, he got nailed. You got to go downstairs. He's nailed. And so they go running downstairs to go find out that it's just a cat that has its, right? So when you think about that, right, it's an awful experience. They helped me get the cat out. Everybody survived, okay? Wasn't so much drama as I make it. But um, when you think about that, to be nailed, to be crucified, it's just a strange uh, process. Clearly, it's a spiritual process. Could we all agree? Uh, real salvation is the understanding that we have been inserted into Jesus Christ, that as he is, so are we, and that as he died, so did we die, right? He is no longer being crucified, and the good news is, neither are we. 
I love that Paul, he said in Galatians 2.20, he said, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, not me, but Christ that lives within me, right? And he says, I have been crucified. I would say Paul, uh, if he was the writer of a good portion of the New Testament, he was having the revelation of grace, I would say he would probably tell a lot more people that he was going to be crucified every single day. You even know the scripture where he says, um, I die daily, right? He was actually saying, and it's funny because that's in the NIV, or I'm sorry, that's a New American, it's a, a later translation, but the NIV even says, it says, I am in danger of death every single day because he was going into all these synagogues and all these places, and he really was in danger of dying, okay? But he wasn't dying to himself every single day. He said, I have been crucified. So we're not headed towards the building of Jesus. We have already arrived. Romans 6, 4 it says sharing in his death by our baptism means that we were co-crucified with him so that when the Father, Father's glory raised Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. We have been co-resurrected with him so that we could be empowered to walk in the freshness of new life. Be so the second thing I believe Paul is trying to tell us here is because he was buried, we were buried. It says that we were literally co-buried in this verse. Good news is we weren't left on the cross, right? That's a good thing. We weren't left on the cross. Um, how many of you guys have been left places before? Anybody ever been left anywhere? Um, I hate being left places, okay? Uh, I, I had an actual a parent. I'm not going to say the parent's name. They are in here this morning, so you can, like, kind of guess. But I had a parent call me probably a couple months ago, and I was saying goodbye to the last people that were here. And the parent calls and said, hey, uh, Matt, is my child still there? And I said, let me go see. So I went in the, into the sanctuary. My kids are running around with his child. And I said, yes, your child's still here. He said, well, can you keep my child there? I'm coming back to pick up my child, okay? <laughs> and we didn't say anything. I don't know if they ever told the kid. I don't know. We don't want any traumatic experiences, right? We want everybody to carry on about life as, as, as if we never forget our children. But good news is our Father in heaven didn't leave us, didn't leave us on the cross. God didn't leave us behind. It says we've been co-resurrected co with him so that we could be empowered to walk in the freshness of new life. Romans 6, 5, the next verse, it says, For since we are permanently grafted into him to experience a death like his, then we are permanently grafted into experience a resurrection like his and the new life that it imparts. The third thing I believe Paul is trying to tell us is because he was raised from the dead, so are we. Because he was raised from the dead, so are we. Ephesians 1, 19 through 20, it says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor that, that, uh, honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. In other words, the same power that raised Christ from the dead raised us up also. We have also been raised. That's the good news. Um, so I just want to focus in on it. It says we've been permanently grafted. Does anybody know anything about grafting, like with uh, trees, fruit trees? Anybody ever grafted any fruit trees? No? I never have either. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, my my father-in-law uh, is learning about that. It's kind of an interesting process. Um, 
where you can actually take any kind of fruit tree and, and connect it to other fruit trees. Uh, and there is a professor up in Syracuse who's figured out how to take 40 different fruit trees and put it into one tree. I actually have a picture of what it looks like in the spring, right? That's 40 different fruit trees on one tree by itself. And he's shipped these all over the United States. They're in different places. They're at the, I believe it's at the Syracuse universities where this one's at. Um, but somehow he's figured out how to do this. He, he adopted a farm that had been around from the 1800s. The whole story is interesting. You can look it up online. But each fruit is dependent on being attached to the tree, right? And we have been permanently grafted into the tree of life, okay? Each branch produces different types of fruit, but yet it all comes from the same tree. Jesus said, you guys know this, Jesus said, any branch that remains in me produces much fruit, okay? And we are not responsible, I will tell you, we're not responsible for the remaining in him because it literally said that we are permanently grafted into him. Okay, we're not responsible for that part, but we... Um, but we have been, when we've been grafted in, we've been grafted into his death. Basically, his death was our death, okay? His resurrection was our resurrection. His new life is a part of our new life. So if we're permanently grafted into his experience, to experience a resurrection like his, then this new life and everything that comes with that tree, if you guys can picture that, everything that is connected with Jesus is connected to us. Okay, everything that happened to him, that happened to us as well. Romans 6, 6 through 7, it said, could it be any clearer? I love this. Could it be any clearer that our former identity is now forever deprived of its power? That's good news, right? It's forever deprived of its power. For we were co-crucified with him to dismantle the stronghold of sin within us so that we could not continue to live one moment longer submitted to sin's power. Obviously, a dead person is incapable of sinning. Obviously, a dead person is incapable. Anybody want to know? Because I think the whole church wants to know this. Like, how do you overcome sin, right? Like, how do you stop sinning? The trick is, is to find out that you're dead, okay? The trick is, how do you, how do you find out how you can no longer uh, continue, in, become incapable of sinning? It's not go to church, okay? Even though I'd love it if you came to church, how do you become more incapable of sinning? It isn't um, you read your Bible more, you become dead. It isn't you're praying more. No, you just become dead. The only way you say no to sin, thoughts, behavior, okay, because that's what a good majority of the church is telling us is that we need to say no to sin, we need to say no to our thoughts, and we need to change our behavior, right? You need to consider yourself dead, okay? The only way to get free of death is not church, and it's not even digging up church or old trauma. How many of you guys have been told that, right? Digging up old trauma in your life as a child. I know that there's like a new wave of things that are happening where a lot of these people are going to these counselors and they're digging up old trauma. And the only thing I can say about that is some things need to be left alone, right? Like, you don't need to dig up every little thing that happened to you to be able to fix every little thing so that that way you'll be the person that you're supposed to be. It kind of reminds me of when I was a kid. Uh, this is kind of an embarrassing story, so hang in there with me. Um, but when I was a kid, um, we uh, lived in this condominium area, and I, I found uh, this dead snake, okay? A dead snake. 
Uh, and I know it was dead because I could see the tire tracks on it. It had been laying there for a long time. It was a rat snake. You guys know what rat snakes are. Speaking of rat tails, we got rat snakes, okay? Um, but this rat snake, uh, everybody was afraid of. All the other kids that were with me, we were all about 12 years old. Everybody was terrified of it. I was the only kid that was willing to walk over and pick it up, okay? And I know, again, like I said, you're going to judge me. I started swinging the snake around, okay? And uh, when I swung it around, all the kids went running, which was my goal. That was my goal is to freak all the kids out. Um, but what happened was, is as the kids were getting away from me, I let go of the snake. I, my goal was for it to fall into the middle of the crowd, and then they dispersed from there, okay? What actually happened, okay, was the snake went into the air. You guys think I'm sick, I know. Went into the air, and when it came down, it caught on the back of this kid's shirt, okay? Um, I know. And I, at that point, I didn't know what to do other than try and chase after the kid to try and help the kid, okay? So he yells back, snake. So now him and all the other kids think a snake is attached to his shirt, and he goes running, and I never could catch the kid, okay? Never could catch him, and he ran and ran and ran, and I don't even know where they all went. But he definitely got out of there because of that snake. Um, and the reason why I say that story is because the snake was dead, okay? It really didn't have any power. It really didn't have a whole lot that it could do. Um, the only thing it d could do was just scare the kids, okay? That was the only thing it could do. And sometimes when you're digging up your past and you're digging up all these things and, you, you know, you got this generational thing of this is who I was and this is who my grandfather was and it's like go through ancestry and let me find out all the deep, dark secrets, right? Let me heal from those things. The only thing I can tell you is, man, it's actually just something dead that's attached to you, and, and it only causes more trauma as time goes on. It's, it's fake. It's not real. You're just dead to whoever that was. You're not connected to it. You died. Not only did you die, you were buried, and you were resurrected, okay? Uh, I love what verse 6 says. It said, could it be any clearer that our former identity is now forever deprived of its power, for we were co-crucified with him. When Jesus died and yelled out, it is finished, he was saying he was finished with sin, right? When we died with him, he was also saying that you're finished with sin too. He was saying you're finished with sin too. And you might be saying, well, Matt, I still sin. I still mess up. We're going to talk about that. We'll talk about that next week at some point, okay? Uh, I understand but really, if we can just pause for a minute and think to ourselves, we are dead to sin. It doesn't have the power that it had before. Basically, and I, I love using the word realm. <laughs> I get made fun of because I use it all the time. But we're not in the same realm of sin. We've been removed. Or like maybe you could think of it as a planet, okay? Maybe you could think of it as a world. We are not a part of the world of sin. We've actually been removed from it. It doesn't have the same power that it did before because it no longer is in the same jurisdiction of us. Ephesians 2, 5 through 6, it says, Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. He raised us up with Christ and exalted us the exalted one, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm, and we are now co-seated as one with Christ. 
Uh, the last and final thing I believe Paul was trying to get across, I know this is in Ephesians as well, but it says, because he sits, we also sit. We sit also. And how many songs have we all heard? How many messages have we heard, right, where we need to get closer to God? We need to get closer to him. And yet it says, that, it says right here, it says we're sitting with him. We're sitting, we've been sat down in heavenly places, co-seated with him. That's what it means. It means to, sit, to cause to sit down together, to place together. I might have told you guys this story before, but in uh, high school, I was at a new school. Somebody found, I only knew one friend in the high school. And this friend came and found me and then placed me with this group of friends that I didn't know from anybody. I, they were the only people I knew in the entire school. But in that moment, when, when this girl placed me with these friends, everything that those guys were about is what my life became about. Everything that they represented, who they were, the people that they knew, the things that they knew, that became my life too. And the reason why I say that story is we were found, okay, and then we were placed to sit with Jesus and everything that comes along with him, who he is, the things that come with who he is, his character, his love, we've been grafted into that. Everything that comes with that is a part of our lives as well. If, we're, if we were spiritually seated with Christ, we cannot get any closer to Christ. We have the best seat in the house. I'm going to close with this last scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 18. It says, for it is Christ's love that fuels our passion and holds us tightly because we are con convinced that he has given his life for all of us. This means all died with him so that those who live should no longer live self-absorbed lives, but lives that are poured out for him, the one who died for us and now lives again. Verse 16, it says, so from now on, we refuse to evaluate people merely by their outward appearances. That means you don't, have to, <laughs> you don't have to view yourself based off your outward appearance, right? For that's how we once viewed the anointed one, but no longer do we see him with the limited human insight. And I love verse 17. I love what it says. Now if anyone is enfolded, engrafted, if anyone is placed in him, right, into Christ, he, he has become an entirely new person, all that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. And God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciliation. So we've been co-crucified. We've been co-buried. We've been co-resurrected. And we've also been co-seated. Doesn't get much better than that. Amen? Let me pray with you guys, um, and I know, I know that like some of this is redundant, I know some of it is just a conversation, but for me, it's a revelation that I can just continue to get every single day. So I'm preaching to y'all, but I'm preaching to myself, amen. <laughs> I love it. But God, we thank you, God, for today. We thank you, God, for your goodness, God. We thank you, God, that if anybody's carrying anything in here, everybody, anybody walked in feeling like, man, this week was a really hard week. This week, I carried a bunch of stuff in here. God, I, God I, right now I speak over them, God, and I thank you, God, that you speak to them, God. You help them right where they're at, God. You help them to see that anything that they carried in, God, is no longer, they don't need to give life to it anymore, God, and we get to focus on you. We get to keep what you did and what you did with us as he is, so are we in this world, God. 
We trust in you. We love you, God, this morning. We honor you. And everybody said, amen and amen. Thank you.